The following is brought to you by Braided Media. to something a little different, but kind of the same. Sometimes you stumble upon something magical, something that's unexpected and yet altogether predictable, something hiding in plain sight. A moment. A series of moments, really, that bring together disparate thoughts you've had in your head and your heart, but somehow that can only now emerge in clarity. Weeks ago, I sat down and met an old friend for the very first time. My dear friend Ali was known to me in ways that were far different from what I recently got to know. He was always a thinker, always an ally, so far as he always had my back. And though I knew almost all there was to know about my dear friend, I had no idea he was such a musical talent. This discovery was both a revelation and a revolution. Revolution seemed apt because it's the title of his work. And because, frankly, selfishly speaking, it presents an unexpected style of music for me to appreciate bit of a self-revolution, if you will. As for the revelation part, in this case, in this space, that too is clear. If you ask the right questions, if you do so with open ears and an even more open heart, you will unearth a gem. A couple weeks ago, we introduced the idea that we'd be talking music. We met multi-formats, the European-based duo who's composed our regular theme music. We dance to the rhythms of KIF Radio, the podcast that showcases emerging artists from the continent and even sometimes beyond it. We'll soon continue that journey by meeting, at an unexpected depth, the hip-hop composer Roland Best from E-Roll Beats. Today we're turning left. 
to an artist whose depth of feeling, commitment to craft, and raw talent is magnetic. We do so because music colors the soundtracks of our lives, and meeting the artist that makes the magic is, quite frankly, the magic. Good morning, good day, or good evening, and welcome to 54 Lights. This show is designed to elevate black voices through authentically told stories of Africans, African descendants, or allies of the community. For those of you who don't know, my name is Kendwani Mwasa, Ethiopian-born, Canadian-raised, and proudly Malawian. I live in the world of business, but find inspiration, energy, and purpose in all creative spaces. This show is my passionate pursuit to better understand what shapes and defines culture. It is the manifestation of my curiosity. You're now tuned in to Focus on Tunes. For the next few episodes, you'll hear from musicians, composers, and curators of sound. Not only to enjoy the music, but to revel in the people behind it. Without further ramble, let's lean in and listen up to my next episode, Finding My Revolution Street with Al Lee. You know the show, the ethos of my show is really to talk to people of African descent, people mm-hmm. from Orlando, from the diaspora. But yeah. every once in a while, I kind of run into people that... Um, that I'm compelled to talk to. So I had to listen to parts of Revolution Street and I was really jacked about the opportunity to weave this into the narrative for my audience, which is to say, listen, we have to open ourselves up beyond the African borders, beyond the African diaspora, if for a little bit. So uh, let's jump in, let's jump in. So um, let's introduce them to to who you are. Real name is Ali Hyrie. Born in Iran, and uh, my family moved to Montreal in 1978 when I was a year old. I consider myself to be Canadian, and yet I have an Iranian, a strong Iranian background. Where do you call home right now? In a town called Revelstoke, British Columbia. It's um, made famous by the abundance of snowfall that it gets, especially right. over the last... 10 years, uh, it's made headlines throughout the the skiing community and the snowboarding community, and of course, the snowmobiling community. And uh, it's really the, you know, considered to be one of the powder capitals of Canada. I'm curious about where the inspiration came for the music and how much of that is inspired or informed from your background in Montreal and, and Revelstoke. Like, is is there something about those two places that has influenced your taste in music? Yeah, definitely. I think, um, you know, I was a late comer to the music world. For me, it was all sports up until 19 or 20. I met uh, the, the friends that you know and who became my close friends and they introduced me to the Neil Youngs and the Bob Dylans and all those classic rock bands. And I had no idea about those people prior to that. And about that time I started playing guitar. And so 
all the people that they introduced me to, it just stemmed from there and moving into these mountain communities, that kind of um, diverged into like a folk sound or a, more of a bluegrassy sound or country blues or these more mountain sounds that you get from like Appalachia or, uh, you know, small Midwestern towns in the US. And um, that definitely really inspired me and that kind of guitar playing drew my attention or captivated my attention and this finger style of being able to play a certain way where you play like a bass note and you can also play these country blues licks um, at the same time. And yeah. um, that's kind of what uh, drove my, uh, my creativity at least. You were you were relatively uh, like like a late bloomer in the scene, but mm -hmm. um, if that's if that's the right term. But what were you listening to beforehand? I had probably five cassette tapes. <laughs> uh, maybe five is even stretching it because I could only remember two right now. And I'll tell you what they were. My first one was Def Leppard Hysteria album with pour some sugar on me which okay. we all just love i'm laughing because uh because i had i think i had that as well <laughs> it's just one of those amazing songs <laughs> that will go down in history real meaningful lyrics yeah and yeah. Uh, it just hits home every time yeah exactly so deep <laughs> and then the other one is uh was acdc razor's edge just rock and roll wow cassette okay. tape and that was you know i didn't listen to much other than that i started getting into like alternative music because my uh other close friends had um you know introduced me to like soundgarden or mm. nirvana there's another band smaller band called candlebox at the time and they were like you know rocking kind of that seattle sound that everybody talks about when they associate these bands and uh, i can't say that i love that but i definitely was exposed to it was there a certain point where you picked up the guitar and you're like, oh, A, I love this, and B, I'm good? The I love this part happened quite early, I think. I took guitar lessons. I just, I don't know, I heard like some blues licks and just that sound, that classic blues solo, whatever. And I thought, wouldn't it be cool to do that? And I don't know why that was, mm -hmm. but I borrowed a guitar for the summer to see if I liked it from a friend. And I had like the book laid out in my bed before internet was there to have a YouTube lesson. And I- We're so aging ourselves, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> no, we haven't. Um, anywho, the I'm good part, you know, I don't, I still don't consider myself <laughs> there. I just feel humbled by like, there's so many talented folks that just blow me out of the water and, uh, well, that's, so I just uh, continue, continue to work on your craft, eh? Exactly. exactly. Yeah, the, the the humility part you gotta you gotta drop that, man. You're you're really really uh, a, a talented artist, I've got to say. Um, and like I said, it was for me it was it was sort of like an awakening, which was really beautiful. There's there is this this chasm again from playing an instrument, mastering an instrument. And then layering on lyrics to it, like so singing mm. your voice. Um, mm. When did that start to emerge? 
you know, singing has never come to me easily. And it was one of those things that was just necessary in order to play in front of an audience because I couldn't find someone to sing the songs I wanted to play or couldn't find a singer. So in Banff, um, my friend and I, who uh, he played bass, we were like, we'd love to play at this open mic. And we, you know, we're like, let's find a singer. There was none around. And then one night or week, I was just like, screw this, I'll sing. And, um, but I had written songs before that and I'd been writing songs for a while, but I'd never showcased them. And I'd probably just sing in front of the family and stuff like that. Anywho, this was born out of necessity and we went and played and for better, or for worse, it happened. And it definitely pushed me in out of my comfort zone one of the things I've, I have to say, which captured me when I was listening to Revolution Street was your voice. So for that to have been something that you developed and that you're out of your comfort zone, it's, it's really commendable. Um, and I think it should be a symbol for anybody who wants to get into the, into the art game that, you know what, sometimes you need to, you need to rub up against things that are not, um, are not natural or not comfortable for you. Um, and you mm. could end up like this. So that's that's really a testament to what you do, man. I'm, I'm, uh, you should be patting yourself on the back on that. I think music has a really interesting ability to unite people and to break through barriers, which are typical, typically like color barriers. Sorry, my phone's buzzing. Um, we have people like um, uh, Little Nas X with the uh, Old Town Road. We have mm -hmm. M&Ms. We have Charlie Pride going way back in terms of country and uh, being a black man. Um, so there, you know, music is not as as straightforward as it used to be from a you know color perspective, but here comes this Iranian man from Revelstoke, and mm -hmm. starts singing folk bluegrass. Have you experienced that there are challenges with you being of Iranian background going into this type of music, or is that is that not been your experience? I've not experienced any sort of you know surprise as to what it is I'm playing for the way I look or something mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. Part of the reason why I'm asking this question is that I, I'm always curious as to what pulls a person to one type of music versus another. And mm -hmm. it's friends, it's family, it's community and all those different things. And so, um, you know, I was kind of curious about that. Um, when you talk to people from your community, uh, from your family, and you talk to them about the, 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 the type of music that you're playing, how, is, how are they receiving it? Not from a color perspective, but just in general. I think they, you know, I think they're a little surprised, but they've known me for so long. They know that I've always loved the great songwriters and that folk tradition um, that I don't think they're, they're that surprised that um, I write in that style. Like to me, it's difficult to like, I don't compare myself to these people, but I definitely draw inspiration from people who have written songs that have a, a social, you know, undertone. And um, those are, you know, I'm going to say it again, like a Neil Young or Bob Dylan, they've written those songs. And they're not only like great melodies, but they're also great messages. And that's the, um, the core of what's kind of important to me is is that message and it comes out in this folk slash blues the blues was the very beginning for me and the blues is predominantly black music mm -hmm. that's where it comes from and those guitar players 
were the first to play these sounds and then it got kind of, uh, you know, the baton got handed to, um, you know, in the 50s to, to white people. Mm-hmm. And they really pushed it into like popular culture. Um, and I think the same thing just happens with me, you know, these sounds folk, like I don't really consider any of my music to be bluegrass, although I'm into it these days. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but you know, country blues and those uh, those sounds, even even just um, uh, Americana, it's just got passed on to to me being a bystander and somebody whose whose ears got perked up by these sounds. And I that's where I think that the color it kind of transcends whatever background you are whatever you know creed or religion all that stuff for sure it doesn't matter because all of a sudden your ears are just like i really like the way this sounds i'm really happy that you said that too because um you know my first real thrill experience with the color palette being broken, the musical color palette being broken, was when my cousin, um, shout out to Tabo, wherever you are, Australia. <laughs> um, I think he's in Perth. But anyways, he loved country music at a time when I was like, I was heavy, heavy into rap and hip hop. And I was like, how yeah. can you like country music? There are no black people playing country music. But then, you know, that was that was my ignorance at the time. And it was like, the music spoke to him just as the mm-hmm. music spoke to a lot of different people. And when the music speaks to you, it just really does tear down all of those um, walls mm-hmm. that we have. And it's like, this is your lived experience. This is my lived experience. It's touching me. So whether I'm in, you know, Australia, Zimbabwe, Revelstoke, you mm-hmm. know, the, the Detroit, I can be touched by this music. So I, I really love the way you said that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it just reminded me of, of, of sort of, of my family experience as well. I, and I, I got to double back before I go to the next question, I'm calling you Ali, but you're, mm-hmm. you're, yeah, I got to go here, man. I got to go here. So oh, yeah, yeah. name wise, your, um, your stage name is Ali or mm-hmm. like what, what is, and where did that come from? You know, like that, that you, you decided you would go with that. I think I went through a varied like selection of stage names prior to landing on this one. And yeah. I just eventually had to stick with one, but um, I didn't want to use my real name because I don't know. I just felt like I wanted to be someone different on stage. Ali is, you know, somebody who enjoys the mountains and has this type of personality. And like, whereas somebody on stage to me should uh, maybe be someone different, or at least it's my opportunity to be someone a little different. And, um, but I didn't want to veer off too much and just go with like something completely out there. Yeah. So I just did this. Frank Robinson. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because um, you didn't veer that far away. That's that's really that's so so Al Lee. So A L space Lee. Um, so it's actually is it, when you say it, it's just saying my name. I and know. It's just that's why I'm like you didn't of, you didn't actually I didn't change. do anything. You didn't I go didn't that far it. at all. No, I couldn't. <laughs> and that's 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 me, you know. And like, I think because you know me, and for those that do, you know, I take things pretty lightly. And, uh, you know, the play on words, it's just, uh, 
Yeah, you didn't go that far afield, man. Just uh, you went from Ali to Ali. Ali, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Funny. So I'm I'm gonna skip. Uh, this is completely out of order, but since you brought it up, there was there was something I was wondering about in your writing. Does the music that you're creating reflect who you are, who you want to be, or something completely different? I think, um, I don't think something completely different. I'm trying to think back to my tunes. I think that at least the recorded songs are all either A or B um, in your uh selection of answers there um someone yeah they're they're honest songs like those are all Mm -hmm. it's my experiences and um some of the songs are what i want to do or should have done or could have done or wished i had done um or wished i'd been who knows but uh yeah that's definitely all um it's authentic my yeah my personal experiences well, let's talk, let's talk about Revolution Street. How was the process of coming to that? Um, I, I'm thinking specifically from a writing perspective because it, it seems like it's a pretty emotional um, album. Mm-hmm. The songs are, um, they're emotional, but they're not, you know, they're not, um, I, I'm trying to like, I can't, put my finger on it they're not necessarily sad they're not necessarily joyous they're not but they Mm -hmm. they are definitely they hit a tone that puts you in a in a very thoughtful mood um that is it is uh complex i guess like life is but but what was the process and and what are you trying to express through through revolution street like what was what was the the motivation behind writing that and then performing it obviously um you know over the past like four years i think anyone who um recognizes the direction that the world was is heading in had to agree that something very um sinister seemed to be occurring Mm -hmm. and that you know had been occurring in the past it just wasn't as close to home and um, you know, all over the world, bad things have been happening uh, to people. So the, the title track revolution street comes from a movement in Iran. Revolution street is actually a, a street in Iran where the revolution took place in 1979 physical street. And this um, movement started with a uh, one woman who refused to wear a headscarf over there you have to wear you have to conceal your hair and it took off and she one day decided to remove this scarf and just stand proudly on the side of the road or on the street or whatever mm-hmm. um, with this draped over the stick and it's a very powerful image it's still online you can look it up and uh the the consequences for her like imprisonment detainment you know is very grave so you could imagine how brave she was for doing this and it's caught on mm-hmm. started building momentum and um this ended up they they ended up being coined the girls of revolution street mm. 
And that kind of just, you know, got me thinking. And I'd written the song um, in 2018. I was actually injured. We touched on that before the interview there, but yeah. uh, that's when I heard about it. And around that time, like Me Too movement was taken off. And, you know, these are people who are expressing themselves about injustices that are occurring. This sense of empathy, I think we all have that. And it just comes down to how, how near is it to you for you to really feel it? Because we see pictures of, you know, people being wronged on the other side of the planet and we feel bad, but then it's very easy for us to forget about that and go about our daily lives. Whereas, you know, you might see something, someone close to you who's suffering, then you might be more uh, inclined to act on that. Revolution Street became, to me, um, a, a symbol of equality throughout uh, any movement. Mm -hmm. You know, it didn't matter if it was Me Too. It didn't matter if it was Iranian women. It didn't matter if it's gun control or uh, BLM or LGBT. It's a revolution street. It's a revolution that's occurring in that sector. And, um, you know, it, for me, it even goes beyond the, the world and social activism. It, it goes within. And a revolution within your own um, existence, whether it's like you want to change whatever it is you want to change, that it's that revolution. And that kind of um, inspired the, you know, the songs to come out of that in that regard. And I think if you think of it that way, then the album, you know, kind of makes sense. Was it you was know. it was it an obvious choice for the sorry to cut you off, but I got to ask you, was no. it an obvious choice for the title track? It, well, I think deep. Yeah, I think it was obvious because I had talked about it with my producer. Was, he's like, what's the title? He asked me what the title of my um, album was. His name's Leroy Steiger. Who's, he's an amazing uh, Canadian artist. And he's been at, I just have to give a shout out to him. Yeah, because, for sure. Um, I was a uh, Canadian artist and amazing producer. And um, he's been at this for, for so long. And so uh, I was so stoked to be able to work with him and for him to, to want to produce my album. I was um, over the moon. Um, but anyways, he asked me what the name of the album was and I was like, ah, I hadn't thought about it. So I gave him like three options and like, I had like a revolution street. I had, um, Oh, I can't remember what the other one was, but I definitely remember what the third one was. Cause I, I, you know, I did it jokingly. Yeah, I just wanted to see what he said. So I put background music as the title. <laughs> and uh, he wrote, I, I remember he wrote, oh, those are all great titles. I was like, really? <laughs> yeah, I kind of like put, that too. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, background music? You like background music? Maybe I'll say that one for the next one. Is happiness like kryptonite for create, for, for your creative process? Um, I guess the, the first album is an example, it would be a proof that it's not. Yeah. Um, because yeah, that, that was, and it's still, you know, still a happy person. And, uh, that album does have a more, like you said, joyous kind of undercurrent. Yeah. And, um, it was my first album and I was, you know, I was working with a producer and he was he, you know, is a positive person and he's like, we had some song selections and I, 
I think he pointed me in that direction as well. And, um, and I was okay with that. Those are my songs and I was stoked to, to have that feel and a positive kind of energy out into the world. Um, so I don't think it's kryptonite. Um, that said, you know, when you, when you feel that hardship and you feel the agony that maybe, uh, whether it's your own agony or someone else's pain or something like that, um, and you, to be able to put that into a song that is sad, you know, and like you said, you know, that's interesting you say that. No song is like, whether you felt that the whole, for the whole album or not, but you're right. I kind of think about that. No song is really a sad song yeah. on this album. Mm-hmm. And I have to agree with you. Um, and these songs are kind of like, to me are darker songs, you know, they're more serious mm-hmm. and they're more um, to the point about how I feel about issues, social issues, and also uh kind of my own journey mm-hmm. yeah 100 uh, yeah. yeah they're 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 heavier um they're heavier um pieces to to uh to appreciate mm-hmm. by Heavy. but they're by no means depressing or you know what i mean like it's mm-hmm. sort of like it, it's just they're just they're just not yeah. flighty you know which yeah, oh, I, don't exactly. know, I don't know how else to say that but um it's I think tough yeah when you say heavier i i have definitely agree like heavier um you know maybe in the lyricism but also heavier in the in the tone of the music there's more like grit like Mm. rock and roll guitar in like a number of the songs and and um so yeah yeah heavier it's it's funny it gritty is another word that i put down here Mm -hmm. so what i was gonna ask you is where where are you at your best and where are you at your, I guess, performative happy, uh, per- performative peak? Is it in studio where it's just you, um, you know, you've got the mic, you've got you've got your guitar, and you've got your lyrics, and you're just zoned into to just connecting to the the music, or is it when you're out in a you know in a bar, I guess, you know, COVID yeah. COVID permitting, um, where you're connecting with an audience, right, and you're making them react to that grit to that emotion like which one is better for you like you know what i mean like and can you say it say it honestly like i i don't know how many artists would say like i prefer to be in studio but like you know what i mean like i don't know know, but but with this type of music i can i can see how it's so intimate that maybe it would Mm -hmm. be nice to just close off so uh, you know i'm i ask that with genuine from a genuine perspective yeah i you know i've only been in a studio twice i'm pretty new to this whole game when it comes to that aspect but I definitely, I think, uh, feel the most at home if I'm singing and playing to people who are there to listen to what it is I have to say. And that to me is just the the feeling, it's the same feeling as, um, you know, what I do in the winters with the, the skiing, This it's a thrill to have their, their attention. It's, it's an honor. And it's also just, uh, um, yeah, really meaningful to me. And uh, I definitely don't take it for granted. So I want to do my best and I want to make sure I keep it. And uh, yeah, so. So you, you, definitely. you, you feed off of, of, off of the crowd or the audience or whatever it is. For sure. For sure. And I think most musicians will tell you the same thing. Like if, if you're playing to a room, 
where you know no one's paying attention they're yeah. there but they're just like mingling and they're drinking and the odd person's like looking at you or whatever but no one's actually paying mind to what it is you're singing about and if you are singing about something that is important to you um then you can't help but feel like they don't care right and if they don't care then you're like well why you know you maybe you just won't dig as deep as you would if you know they're hanging on your words there's definitely like nights when it just ebbs and flows like some nights the folks are into it and um they're stoked and other nights uh the audience just you know isn't on the same page and that's okay yeah, yeah it's a it's a wild experience tell me about tell me about hope the song hope it it, it struck me um just to say as I don't know if it was the 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 lucky consequence of the playlist that I was on where mm. it, it it came up first and mm-hmm. it did feel like I was uh, that I had turned a page um, and then when I looked at my phone and I said oh this is actually this is his first album Again, I don't know sequentially if that was just happenstance or shuffle or whatever, but it it, it struck me. So where did Hope come from? Uh, Hope, well, is um, my boy's name is Omid, which means hope. And uh, so he had just been born and um, it just, uh, those country, that song is a very country blues song to me. It's got those licks and that it's a total finger style song. And um I think just saying those, you know, I mean, give me hope is pretty, it's a standard phrase I think everybody uses for, towards anyone who um, is important to them. I think the overall feeling is a feeling that despite all the hardship that we might endure and all the struggles, whether it's your own or like environmental or social stuff that may not even affect you um you see this kind of little little being and he gives me hope that you know things can change what went into this cover yeah that's it's an interesting way that that came about um we're sitting around the table in montreal with um my folks and my sister and um my partner, Claire, and we, you know, are just talking about this photo shoot that I'm supposed to do the next day with my brother-in-law's friend. And uh, we're talking, we're talking about the album and we're going to need a cover. And there's this picture hanging on the wall at my parents' place, which is the, the drawing on that, on the album. And basically, uh, Claire suggested to, that should be the, the cover. Mm-hmm. And I looked at it and that picture is meaningful to me because um, it belonged to my grandmother. And that picture was drawn by a prisoner who was imprisoned. He's a, like a, for uh, like a government dissident essentially. And um, you know, uh, I forgot the term here, um, but essentially imprisoned for expressing himself. So he was taken in by my grandmother when he was released and uh, he drew that in prison. The image that he saw so that's that's the, the original drawing and i thought that's perfect it means a lot to me 
and I have a song called Prison Cell. I was going to say, you do talk about experience behind bars. Yes. Um, and they're two different subjects, but just the fact that, you know, the, the, there's a prison cell involved as a song title and uh, this fella who drew the, um, that drawing. Anyways, so when we came down to the photo shoot, the photographer, I had asked him, can you take a picture of this? And when he was doing that, my brother-in-law and I were holding the picture. Yeah, because your fingers just, are there. Exactly, and trying to not get our fingers in the, in the frame. And so he took one quick one with our fingers, you know, our hands showing, and then another one with the frame cut. And then he's like, yeah, I, I took one with your, with your hands in there. And I, I didn't even see the picture. And I was like, that's, that's going to be perfect. And so I saw it and I was like, oh, that's, that's going to be the cover right there. Wow. And uh, yeah, I liked the way it turned out. And, you know, to me that I love the contrast between the brick and a hand-drawn picture. And, you know, there's so many metaphors that I could describe between, you know, um, a uh, industrialization and the environmental destruction and yeah. so I, I just see a lot in that picture there in that is. album cover and um yeah exactly i'm glad you know it means something to you too that's great it, it really does and and i hadn't noticed until now um that those those are yeah those are they're different hands i thought it was actually just the caption um but you can tell that there are they're different people's hands. So that's even another, different people's hands. There's a different layer to that now. Um, Two different people right there. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think when I looked at it initially, mm-hmm. uh, I didn't, I didn't notice that the hands on the bottom there too. Right. So obviously one person's going to have four hands, um, but uh, <laughs> cut that part out. Um, no, um, yeah, exactly. But I didn't, you know, I didn't appreciate it until, until now, even I did appreciate the hands, but not the, them coming together um how how hyped up are you then that you've created really from from start to finish something that is really complete you know an introduction to you it feels really good i really love this album i've loved listening to it from when leroy been done producing it from the the moment you know even listening to it in the studio because i got the opportunity to work with like three really awesome musicians like they the other instruments, you know, the drums, the bass, uh, there's a banjo, there's mandolin, there's guitar, backing vocals. Like those are like, I've got to name them, Rylan Morans, who's a phenomenal uh, artist as well. He's a singer songwriter and he plays a multitude of instruments, um, the banjo, the mandolin, the guitar and the singing, the backing. And then Tyson Mako who played bass and Kyle Harmon who played drums. Like they, you know, put their own idea of what sounded good to them on this album. I didn't ask them to play anything in this way or in that way, or to, um, you know, in any way dictate their parts. That was their parts. And I think that played a huge role in why the album sounds the way it does. The songs, you know, yes, lyrically, that's me and the, the chords and the changes, like, yes. But when you hear the song Bare Bones, just me and guitar versus that album cut version, the the feeling is very different. Mm. And um, I love the way it turned out. I love like songs like um, uh, 
um, hand-me-down truth and, uh, you know, puppet on a string to me, like, that's so gritty and rock and roll and unheard is probably like my favorite tune. I was going to ask you, what's your favorite on the album? So I think it's like, it it varies, but unheard is probably one of my favorites. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Unheard is is like the way, I don't know, the, the, the progression of the song chord structure is, um, you know, not typical of what I do. Mm -hmm. And uh, the tuning of my guitar is different. The sound is full and this, the way, uh, the band plays in that song and the way it builds and of course the meaning of the tune um is uh yeah in all in all i think I, that's the one i probably listen to the most i was gonna I say, say yeah which yeah. which one is, which one would you put on repeat while you're doing something else and just jamming away or yeah it would be that one when i'm driving i probably yeah. pick that one the most yeah um, listen, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you go on uh, maybe one last question I, I gotta ask mm-hmm. you, um, and this is this, it's a little bit odd, but I know you love to ski. I know you love hitting the slopes. Mm-hmm. Um, so the question is, and I know you you can't ask people like, but you know who's my favorite child? Blah 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 <laughs> blah blah. But I need to ask you if you could only do one of these things: play music. Or jump on the slopes, man. What, like, come on, give me, get, make the hard decision. Oh, you're nodding your head. Oh, for those just listening on the audio. Hmm. I don't know, man. I don't know if I could shoot. I can't do the the thing with the the hitting the slopes and the. It's only six months of the year, mm. and so like, what am I supposed to do the other seven months? What are you more excited at the prospect of playing like a venue like the Bell Center or like a, you know, like a small, intimate, like 50 seat spot? I think that 50 seat spot for me is what I'm most excited about because to me it's the most realistic. Um, And I definitely, it's not that I don't aspire to play at the Bell Center one day, which Mm. I don't know, would be phenomenal but of course i think every musician's gotta uh, pay a long list of dues before getting there and um and i'm not quite there yet but um you know the feeling you get by playing just to a small crowd you know 50 people is is great 100 people fantastic of just folks that are just really into what it is you're putting out So there you have it. The conversation continues. Part of our show was recorded and produced at Culture Light Studios, the soundstage and auditory office of 54 Lights. Naturally, and by special exception, music for this episode was provided and enjoyed, with permission, by my dear friend Al Lee. As I said off the top, it's really interesting to introduce yourself to someone you've known for years. Ali, for opening up my eyes and ears to this side of you, for taking the time to stand by me for the years, and for being an ally in quiet and sometimes loud and lyrical ways. I thank you. To the fans, I thank you for tuning in. And if you like what you've heard, there's more. I urge you not only to check out some of Ali's music, 
found on listening platforms like Spotify, but also to look out for this show and our future exploits. Be sure to subscribe so you won't miss any of the upcoming shows. And of course, if you enjoy some social sprinkled in with your listening, please follow us under our Instagram handle, Crowd54. Listen, like, share. This is your privileged host, Kandwani Mwase. Until we meet again, thank you for listening.